when we step on the floor, you're going to have to kill us to beat us. Or you're going to have to kill us to beat us. Or kill us to beat us. Welcome to Hawk Talk, the one and only podcast for all things St. Joe's basketball. My name is Peter Carney, and each week, me and St. Joe's hoops aficionado, Tony Morelli, will talk news and notes to keep you in the know on the St. Joe's 2021-2022 men's basketball season. This season's set up to be an exciting one on Hawk Hill, and you won't want to miss a moment of it. Hawk Talk will keep you covered. The Hawks will be flying in soon, so let's get this started. Welcome to our 11th episode of Hog Talk. This episode, we have quite a bit to get into after three tumultuous games and finally some sort of hope with our GW win. Um, I've likely said this before, but I'll say it again. The Billy Kill Us to Beat Us audio clip at the beginning, it's not going away. I'm not changing it. It's good audio. And it's also a good reference point for how we should consider where we are as a team. I heard a lot of, I can't watch this anymore um, from people, which I get. Love is hard. Um, and on that note, Tony, how are you doing uh, with your relationship with St. Joe's basketball? You know, I'm not the type of per hello Pete, but I'm not the type of person who, you know, love is, oh, flowers and candy. No, love is, you know, you do the right thing for another person. You do the hard thing for the person. I think this episode is going to be um, an act of love in the sense of we're going to have to explain what's gone wrong. And that's okay. When you have a brother who is on, you know, going down the wrong path, you don't let him go down that wrong path. You correct him in his ways. Um, We root out error. And so we're going to. We're going to root out some of the issues that we have on the team. The LaSalle loss. Look, we're 500 with LaSalle in its history. If you think we're going to always sweep them, I'm sorry, but they show up for the games. They want to beat us, and they're not terrible. It's not like they are they have this talent. They can beat teams. They gave you or I a run. Just goes to show, if things are clicking on all cylinders for them, they can win a game. Vice versa, if you let them come back, if you don't play and focus, they'll beat you as well. Like It's a double-edged sword. They're, they can play well, and you can also accelerate that. And uh, But here's the thing. We bounce back from a GW with a GW win, and we're slowly getting back to riding the ship, and the ultimate goal of 500 is still in play. So, um, Pete, I'm not sure what game you want to start with first, but I think maybe we start with that kill us to beat us line because I think you probably have some few words on that, how we're going to correct that. Yeah, correcting path is is... It's tough. So, LaSalle, as much as we like, – LaSalle earned that game, right? They, they earned it, but it was a second-half meltdown where we, we saw a 14-point lead in the first half. We cut down to a nine-point lead going into halftime. And then from that point on, I mean, we, we, we've seen this time and time again where we can't, we can't figure things out in the first 10 minutes of the second half. 
and teams just pounce on us. Um, sort of an identical 10 minutes, not identical, but identical in the, in the fact to UR, to the URI game that we weren't able to, to find our rhythm. Uh, we had 13 turnovers. I don't know how many came in that first 10 minutes, but whether it was missed free throws or turnovers, we just couldn't figure it out, which from a standpoint of Billy Lang, you're going to have to kill us to beat us point of view. We're killing ourselves with the amount of turnovers that we've had. Um, specifically, we have 13.3% uh, turnover rate, which is 13.3 turnovers per 100 possessions or the percent of, off percent of offensive possessions in which you have a turnover in the form of a giveaway or takeaway. Uh, without getting too far, too, too much further into the, the stats there, basically that that's way too high. No matter what type of offense you run, it's way too high. However, teams with high-paced, uh, quick offenses that like to shoot a lot of threes, like Billy Lang's offenses tend to do, tend to have higher turnover percentage rates. So I think that's something to consider. Yeah. Um, I think another, like, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too much, Pete, but I'm going to bring this up. Um, there's another issue I have with the team, and it kind of goes into that kill us to beat us line. And I, I like how you mentioned the meltdown. Clearly, my A10 talk writing has influenced your thought a little bit. I'm glad to see you're using some of my buzzwords. Uh, but what I do want to say with all of that is, one, there is no leader on the team. I think it's become very evident that we don't have a... We have Billy, yeah, Billy's the leader, of course, the coach is the leader, he's the CEO of the team, he makes all the executive decisions, but every great leader has a sidekick, or a lieutenant, or, you know, name that thing, and at least a player who represents that the team is buying in, or the players are buying in, and he's the one who represents that on behalf of the players, right? That was Ryan Daly, right? Ryan Daly represented that no matter if we win or we lose, I have bought into Billy Lang in the sense that I'm not giving up on the team, and we're going to try to win every game, and I'm going to play really hard, and when I'm not injured, I'm in the game, I'm going to show passion and heart, and I'm going to hold teammates accountable, because that's what he did. He showed emotion, he showed accountability, and this year we don't have that, and that's a problem, and I'm looking at Jordan Hall, and I was such a big fan of Jordan Hall, I am still a very big fan of Jordan Hall. I think he's excellent and very talented, but there's a couple issues with Jordan Hall. I don't think he's a leader. And that's a problem. I don't think he is careful with the ball. I think the turnovers are a serious problem and are becoming such a problem, it can hurt his draft stock because it, teams are going to want to have players who make good decisions, who aren't indecisive. And if Jordan continues to turn the ball over, it's a problem. And Eric Reynolds looks like, I call me crazy, but the team operates better in the half court. I mean, I've been saying this forever, but the team out operates better with him in the half court, running the half court offense. Against GW, when Jordan Hall was on the bench, I thought we're okay because we have Reynolds. And I'm actually kind of not worried about Hall leaving now um, because Reynolds is just so good. And I think he actually will continue to get better. But back to Hall is like, has he, he hasn't improved that much compared to last year from a, um, well, in the beginning of the year, yes, but I feel like we're in this slump now, and I need to, I need him to, to snap out of it. I can't have Jordan Hall come out after a LaSalle loss and then lay an egg against GW. Um, 
and during the LaSalle loss, not be the leader who holds the team accountable. And so that's my that's my problem. Um, yes, Jordan has had good games this season. Yes, he's top like one of the best point guards in the league. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he could be better, and that's what's kind of irking me a little bit. Is you can be come on, Jordan. We can be better. Um, I'm sure I'm not the one who needs to tell you this. I'm sure someone is telling you this. Um, but it's just something that I'm thinking about because I know that we could be very pro Jordan Hall. For all the people who want to give us flack about being pro Billy Lang, whatever you know, read my articles. You'll you know where I stand. Uh, and we'll go in. We'll go into that as well. But really, I think we got to talk about how do we make Jordan better because Taylor's just not that leader. He really isn't. He's super senior. He's not the leader that you would want him to be, and he's very one dimensional on offense. He he disappeared against LaSalle, like melted away. And so you know we need Jordan to be that leader, or we need Eric to step up and be that leader. And he kind of was that leader against GW. That was really I was really glad to see him score 17 points and really attack the rim. Even though how many alley oops are we going to throw away on turnovers? Sheesh! Come on. Yeah, I think. You, you brought up a good point about not getting too far into a rabbit hole. And I think that's what people tend to do when they think about Coach Lang and sort of what type of coach he's been is they fall into a bit of a rabbit hole in, in thinking about, you know, how many W's he has, how many L's he has. Obviously, it favors the loss column. And maybe I am the one who's really pro-Lang in this equation. I personally don't see it, but obviously – uh, you know, it might be more apparent to our fans that I'm very pro Lang. I'm just not willing to give up on him. Obviously, there's nothing that he's done this season that has really made me very happy about his coaching. I will say that. I will say that there's a lot of lapses there when it comes to his coaching, and the most obvious part about that is on the turnover end. Um, going back to that sort of leadership role uh i think you you hit the nail on the head tony taylor funk is not the the type of leader that we're looking for he is a leader but he i mean offensively he can be one-dimensional defensively i think sometimes he's straight up a liability he is and we couldn't we couldn't defend against george washington we left so many open threes yeah and even lasalle like Jack Clark gave us 22, and I think we're maybe missing Casper a little bit there. Um, no need for ifs, but I think it's interesting to consider if Casper, they were there, would he have been injected into the lineup? Um, but yeah, getting into that GW game now. Um, strange start to the game with the administrative technical uh, due to the back. I enjoyed that. That, got, that brought a little character to the game. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, something it, different. Needed a little flair because there are a lot of people who are upset about the overall attendance of the game. Uh, so I think it needed a little bit of zest. Yeah. Um, and the the if it if that wasn't enough zest, then the amount of like crazy dunks there were that game because of pretty much open lanes <laughs> on both sides, whether it be like. I think Cam. I rewatched the game. Cam Brown had a, a good dunk. Demir Bishop, oh. Mass Bishop. Demir wanted a good dunk after missing his LaSalle opportunity because oh, yeah. he the LaSalle one he really went for it and it didn't come up. But that one was nice. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad he was, got it. Yeah, Mass Bishop is better. Bishop. Um, 
and then Reynolds with even that nice little like double clutch the two-hand dunk in transition was pretty nice yeah we were very uh, much more active in the passing lanes that game it's nice yeah. to see that you know some easy point this this team needs that because look how much we struggle in the half court it, you know I'm not saying we need to get all our points but having a few that just are easy dunks or you know easy layups um it really does kind of change the momentum in the game in your favor. We need more of those kind of turnovers. I agree. I think uh, Reynolds had a notable performance. I don't know about you, but I thought he did great. Um, I sort of touted him as our, one of our best backcourt or, uh, you know, half-court uh, offensive players. He is. Yeah, and... I think this was a, a nice game for him after sort of a slump he's had recently. Yeah, and I said 17 points. I, he finished with 19. That's my my bad. 19. Only bad part from that was one for five from three. Uh, another weird thing that about that game this is, was that Hall sat much of the second quarter with foul trouble and was sort of like a non-fact. End of the first so, half, you mean? Yeah, yeah, end of the first half, like second quarter, second quarter of the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Break it into force, um, but yeah, he he didn't do terrifically. He, four points, two turnovers, sort of an ugly game for Hall. Um, I think he we were looking for much more from that. Now I will say he had nine assists and only two turnovers, so I was glad. You know, I'll give him credit there. Glad to see that. Yeah. I guess my R issue. Yeah. But I guess my issue, like, going back to my Jordan Hall statement, it's like, he just looked visibly frustrated during the game. And, it's of course, it's easy for us to say, you know, it's, I mean, I guarantee you it's a, it's a lot harder to actually do than to say. Um, but doesn't mean that we can't encourage him, you know. When you're in those situations, I guess you just kind of have to shake it off or snap back into it mentally. You can't just let it nag you throughout, throughout the whole game. It just felt like it was nagging him and bothering him that he wasn't, you know, having the, the 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 scoring capabilities that he usually does. Um, but that said, give him credit: nine assists and then six rebounds. So he, he was able to adjust at some some length. But really, it's all about Eric Reynolds. It's all about the inside scoring. The team really pushed for inside scoring. I was glad to see it. Sixty six attempts. Um, I'm sorry, forty nine attempts and only seventeen three point attempts. We shot less three pointers than there are than our opponents did. And so it's just kind of nice to see that. And I'm trying to look at how many we shot against LaSalle. Um, we shot 28 against LaSalle. 28 threes. Yesterday was 17. And our two points, our, our inside scoring was, you know, much better. And it was probably because we were against a team that didn't defend as well. So um, I don't know how we're going to have to find some way to get like that against other teams. But clearly the, the way of winning and scoring in the half court is balance. It's not just, you can't be three-pointers. And the kickouts against LaSalle, oh, Pete, we can go on all day. They're just so easy to steal. Like, those steals that we were talking about, that was happening to us against LaSalle. Just such, it's, it swings momentum the other way so quickly. So glad that we kind of took care of it. And um, on a game where we weren't that great, we won by like 15. So I guess it's like one way to look at the GW game. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of flaws, but to think about it, you know, we, we didn't play that great, and we still walked away with a 15-point win. So, I mean, there's a silver lining there. Or 11-point win, I'm sorry. Uh, but there's a silver lining in that. All right. I, 
I want to bring up one point that I saw uh, about Obina. So Obina, 16-12 last game. I mean, he, he's pretty consistently been sort of almost a double-double guy for us. Um, but I've heard from sort of the, the grapevine that people think that Obina is an average at best center for us in the A10. And that's that's all we really sort of, he's been over glamorized. Uh, sort of citing his 50% shoot, shooting from the three foot line. So I think we should touch upon that. Uh, just even just briefly. Obina has struggled from the free throw line, and that's something that I'll keep my eye out for because if we're going to go inside for, with Obina, we need to make sure that we're doing it very tactfully and not just trying to dump it into him. That's all I'll say about that. Other big men note, I will, I will say this. I thought uh, I was looking back on minutes played and... Co- Coleman only played five minutes, but for me, that felt like an eternity. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we want to get into sort of the big man situation on Hawkeye. Personally, going back to Obina, I know, circling back. Uh, I personally feel Obina, we're, we should feel very lucky that we have Obina, and he is in no way, shape, or form an, an average, quote-unquote, A-10 center. He is very much so above average. Yeah, I, his footwork is a lot better than a lot of other centers. I don't think as many people have as... There's not many centers who have a very well-developed post game like he does. Like his footwork is really good. He doesn't travel that much when he's posting up. He has some. He has a bag of tricks when he's below the rim, and I think I'm very confident in him um, with his touch. Well, what I'll say is, the first thing are those alley-oops. We gotta stop alley-ooping to him so much. We can do it. But not too much. And a lot of it isn't his fault. A lot of it is we're throwing the ball in places he really just can't get it. We're acting like he's Dwight Howard, but he's, you know, he's not. He's only 6'10". He's not 7'2". So in that regard, I'm going to give him a break there and kind of blame the, the people passing the ball to him. What I will say about the free throws is anyone who's ever watched basketball and then saw him shoot a free throw should know that he's going to struggle from the free throw line. He's got a hitch. It's a problem. But he's a fifth year. I don't think we're fixing it. NBA players can't fix their free throw shooting sometimes. So, I mean, this is... We can scream that the staff's not doing a good enough job, but there's a lot of there's a lot of centers in the NBA who wish that they had improved their free throw shooting too, and we're getting paid millions of dollars and never did it. And whether that be because of trying or just because they physically just could not do it, uh, it varies. There's tons of people um, because of that. So I'm not surprised. We might get into a situation where it's a big game that they hack them. But in college, it's a little different. The fouling just is a little different there. And so I like to think I like to think he's better than he's not. I don't want to say he's glamorized because I never said he was the best player on the team. He's the third best player on the team. But we haven't had a center like that in a very long time. And so even if he was average, I think St. Joe's can take an average A-10 center and be grateful for it. So that's that's what I'm going to say on that. Agreed. Uh, going down the sort of box score for this game, we had Forrest with the did not play, which wasn't really sure what happened there. And then also Demir and Brown 
only tallied 11 points in 51 minutes. So not great offensive output from them. Would have liked to see a little bit more. Um, but overall, again, how upset can you be when when you're beating GW who just beat George Mason and you're coming off from a loss from LaSalle, which is sort of... And that's the thing. Like We had a big freak out. Maybe we can switch to this part. But there's a big freak out after LaSalle. And it's conference play. Teams are going to beat each other. We had a tough loss to URI. Okay, the Davidson loss, fine. I don't think those two we can complain about. Um, and I know some people want to because the URI, the URI was a must-win on the road, but I don't think we were ever going to win that game. You could just feel the momentum of the game. And once again, we I mean, re- reiterating my point from earlier, I just didn't take it to heart that much because I didn't think it was going to be a win. The LaSalle one thought it was going to be a win, and it turned out not to be. Disappointing, yes. Very disappointing. Hey, shout out to the Gola boys. Got to saw, see them again. Talked to them a lot, actually. Um, probably too much. Too much St. Joe's LaSalle relations at the game. But all jokes aside, it was great seeing them, and I'll probably be at the Gola with them for the St. Joe's game, uh, which is considered the Big Five game, believe it or not. <clears throat> this last game wasn't. But back to my point was the LaSalle game stinks. It stinks to lose to LaSalle. But then they push URI as well. And then GW beats Mason. I don't hear Mason fans freaking out. And I'm sure they'll come up with an excuse of why their situation is different. Fine. Whatever. But my point is you can lose to anyone in the league. It's league play. Villanova just lost to Marquette in the Big East. It's league play. These teams know each other and it happens. And I'm sure that we're going to have that type of win against another team two this year we had it once against Richmond I'm sure we're going to go into a game against an opponent we're not expecting to win and we walk away with the win we almost did it at URI and I'm sure we're going to do it against another team it happens but I'm confident that we went in and played GW that I'm going to feel okay when we play Duquesne can Duquesne beat us sure do I think we can beat Duquesne do I do I feel like we're the favorites yes they aren't mutually exclusive so we don't need to freak out um some people were accusing us of being uh, types of crazy, uh, you know, some accounts go like coming back to this and saying that my thing on, you know, I'm not worried about LaSalle, that I was crazy for not worrying, crazy for not worrying about LaSalle. Like, no, I'm not crazy for worrying about LaSalle. I write about them all the time. I'm not really worried about them. Um, you know, so there's some personal attacks, but I, I want to say this, Pete, and tell me if I'm ranting too much, but... I am now the gatekeeper. That is my title. All jokes aside, we have a lot of fans who are passionate about St. Joe's. I love each and one of every one of our fans. A lot of our fans are anonymous accounts who hide behind accounts that have no names, things like that. Fine. That's your prerogative. You want to be the, you know, I want to be Hawkeye94, you know, 1324. Um, go for it. Fine by me. Your life. But I don't like, I really don't like Twitter that much. Um, I don't get enjoyment out of it. I really don't care. I do it because A10 Talk makes me do it. In theory, they want us tweeting. But I'll say this. You know, Pete, we joke about, you know, Catholic. It's a Catholic school. We're Catholic. Well, I don't know if you are, but I am. And Catholicism is an incarnate religion. What does that mean? It means in person. You got to be there to do it. So I like to be at places to do it. 
I like going to the games and being at St. Joe's. I think that we all can't sit in our homes and watch ESPN Plus and tweet about the game. If you live in the Philadelphia area, I think it's worthwhile to go and be there and we could call it the cheesy community, but what and we joke about Al Sham. But when I say, oh, let's have a pregame show at Al Sham, I'm dead serious about that. I go to Landmark with my friends before the game. Slowest service on earth, but boy, do I love seeing the eight to ten alumni I go to games with every week. They sit in different parts of the. Se- I have guys who I sit with every game. I have guys who sit in section two ten. I have guys who have se- section in two twenty nine. I walk around the state. I see the Gola boys. I like to be there. I like to talk to people. I want fans of this podcast to come up to us, and not just because oh, I want to be oh, I want to be Mr. Mayor of this of Hagen Arena. No, that's not why I want people coming up to me. I want people coming up to not only me but other fans of the podcast to create this community of alumni because the alumni association gets no one involved. They get no one involved. And so we kind of created the show to get people involved, to get people people excited, because there is not a lot of excitement around the program. And I'm so glad the students are at these games. But my whole point is, I'd love that if we have fans of the show and your friends aren't going to be at the game um, until 20 minutes after you show up, that you can go to Al Sham and hang out with a community of St. Joe's alumni who know you or who know that you're a fan of the show and that we're all here, we're all fans of the show, we're all just fans of St. Joe's basketball, not even the show, um, and we can meet together and actually talk in person rather than tweeting from fake accounts, and you know it's just not going to be the same, it's not the same communal aspect, and that's what made Big Five basketball great, that's what made college basketball great, is that you were there in person, and I that's why I want it, because I know some people don't like when I say I'm in section 107, and apparently that's a threat. Um, some some people have thought that I was threatening them, but no, in reality, I'm dead serious in the fact that I want you to come up to us. I want you to talk to me in person because I want to talk basketball with you and I want to create this 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 great experience of what college basketball should really be. It should be all these. I just think about all those old heads. Go to the barber shop. Go to the bar. Hang out. Talk St. Joe's basketball. Not tweet at one another. Not. Um, you know, blog boy, which we are, we're blog boys, but really that's not what brings me joy. Um, what brings me joy is the fact that we get to go to these games and do this in person physically. And so that's kind of my whole point. It's like, yeah, okay, we're, we're pro Lang. Um, oh, okay. We were wrong about the LaSalle game. Great. Whatever. I would have so much more fun if we were saying it to each other in person. And so that's what I, I hope to build. And I think we, we will get there at one point. Um, but it's all—it's not all just about our Twitter account, and it's not all about just being right or wrong, um, you know. So nicely said. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, that's what we're going for. We want to have a community experience where everyone feels like an equal part of that community. Whether or not you like our show or agree with what we say, we want to hear you, and we want to have a conversation and see you and have a some open discourse and dialogue about St. Joe's basketball because it's, it's fun and we really enjoy it. And I mean, no matter what team you root for, there's going to be ups and downs. I mean, look at St. Bonaventure that came into the year top AP 25 in the top 25 in the AP poll. They like a week ago beat BCU by 20. Then they lose to Dayton by 18. 
and they almost lose to the South, and they get blown out by Virginia Tech. They have a tumultuous year. This is supposed to be it for them. What I'm trying to say is that, like, no matter what team you root for, it, it's bigger than just basketball. It's also about community and seeing each other in person. Tony and I Zoom a lot, but being a part of a P community has a, where... P, you have a legitimate reason. You live in a literal other city. I, I'm more saying, like, if you're at the games, you know, don't just hide... Don't be a stranger, and it's more valuable that people talk to each other in person. It's just way, way more um, constructive is the word I'm going to use. Well, I'm coming out of retirement, and I'll be there February February 5th, people. So That's the Al Sham episode. Yes, we are going to be live recording from Al Sham. They're going to be questioning what we're doing in there, so we're not going to tell management. No, we are going to ask if we can get... I've done this at Larry's. If we can get behind to sort of like be part of cooking, mm. can, you know, we can cook the food at El Sham. Yes, total total community process here. We are. It's a grassroots movement. I mean, who would have thought that Harold Hawk would be the 2020, 20, 2022, 2023 basketball coach? Like it's already happened. I know it has. <laughs> um, Maybe Bill Lenardi can- gave like a like a kiss of death when he like he like the the, the hand gesture of like slitting someone's throat and mm. Mill Fartelli tweeted about it I think that was a gesture to say like bring in Harold so bring in Harold speaking of Alsham we got to talk about our shout out on the Hawk newspaper yeah what about that I mean Pete how the tides are- have turned I'm going to be honest with you and the fans of Tony's Takes I used a ritual of mine because some of my old teammates listen to this podcast they know this ritual Every day I used to walk in on a Wednesday when paper would publish, and I used to just not like any of the articles. I used to think it was poor writing. I would just complain. Um, I thought they were writing about topics no one cared about. I would just rip that paper up and down from the news section to the opinion all the way to the sports page to the advertise. The only good thing from that paper I used to say was the crime report because it was just it was just in, insane, some of the crimes that were going on. Um, and now... Now we're influencing them. Who would have thought? I should have always applied to write for them. I never did. Yeah, well. Oh, and we didn't even mention the tweet. Uh, They just, they tweeted at us. They know that they're making, they were saying they were going to order the lentil soup. I said, go to Jaime's if you want lentil soup. Yeah, that lentil soup from Alsham. I mean, actually, they're our sponsor, so. Everything you get from Alsham is delicious and wonderful. So, good, good save, good save, marketing guy. Uh, try the shawarma. Try the New York chicken. Try the New York I, lamb. Yeah, I mean anything that comes with French fries, I would try. Yeah, we're gonna branch out. First, we got to get Alsham. Once we get them on board, we're gonna go to Jaime's next, and then once we get Jaime's on board, then uh, maybe Kim, Kim Kimmy's. Kimmy's is Kim, Kimmy's Ooh. around still. Kimmy's. She, she I know retired. Kimmy moved. Oh, yeah, she oh, retired. Yeah, something like that. Mm. But perhaps we could go to, like, I don't know. It's a grassroots move. We'll Slowly. figure it out. Oh, the, you know pollo, the pollo a la brasa down the street. If anyone's never been there, who's on St. Joe's campus, go down to the Peruvian chicken spot across from Cordoba. Ooh. It's good. Really good. So I haven't been back in a bit, but is that is the remnants of that old yogurt place still there? Oops. We should re- Yes, Oops. Oh, I used to have a friend who lived above Oops. Um, Oops is still 
empty oops the big i remember that that was like a big joke for a while it's like oh let's go to oops like our freshman year was open for like one month and then it closed it's been closed ever since and the landlord's just done not why not make larry's bigger i don't get that we should reopen oops, oops. you want oops to be our sponsor we can they can they sponsor the show now there we go oh i they don't even have management i'm their management at this day they don't even exist in theory we're gonna wow. open up an oops yeah. Why would you Bring name your back. stuff Oops? That's like a mistake. And yeah, yeah. And we're not selling frozen yogurt. We're selling ice cream. That sounds like Oops is the. Th- I'm not going to get graphic, but let's just say it's like saying, oh, I'm going to name my restaurant. Uh oh. Like, why would I eat food from there? It's like. Well, our motto will be like, Oops. We thought we were getting frozen yogurt, but we got ice cream. It's like, Oops. I'm lactose intolerant. And <laughs> like, that's what I would say. It's like, Oops. It's like, I ate something I shouldn't have. <laughs> Pete had to put himself on mute there. All right, Tony, shall we get into <laughs> our mailbag? Is your dog going to answer a question? Yes, he would actually like to if he would come over <laughs> here, but he's refusing to. So Probably doesn't like you. I don't blame yeah. him. <laughs> Let's go, St. Joe! Let's go, St. Joe! Let's go, St. Joe! Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, I'll go first. Timmy Flans, uh, a long-time listener, says, Hey, fellas, we're a little over halfway done with the regular season. Imagine you're Billy Lang and the coaching staff. As you approach the second half of the year, would you, A, start doing differently, B, stop doing altogether, and C, continue doing that has worked so far? Thanks. Appreciate the podcast. So this is a what would you do? So it's like what would you do differently? Stop yeah. doing altogether, and what would you continue doing? Hmm. So there's a lot to sort of think about here. So from a, a what would you do differently standpoint, we touched upon this earlier. You need to, you can't turn over the ball as much as we do and expect to win close games. So maybe actually stop doing that altogether. What I would start doing differently is we need to enter this the second half completely differently than we have been doing so. Um, that is just a fact. Our second halves have been a slump. You talked about this when Mac was, was on the podcast, and nothing's changed. As for continuing to do what's worked so far, we need to, to foster sort of whatever's been going on when it's been going well, Taylor Funk, Jordan Hall, and Ed, 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 Ed. if we can have two of those three be on on a given night and even have Reynolds as that fourth person, we will be able to finish at or well above. That's what I have for Timmy Flans. Good question. Pete's dog needed to get in on that one, and he did, and we know where he stands as well. Um, Victor McLean sent us two questions, and I'll answer both of them. The first is, there are three Hawks who will likely get all 8-10 honors, or at least honorable mention. Um, with that, shouldn't we expect better than a 500 record? Uh, yes, we should, but I will say basketball is more than just your three stars. Now, in the NBA, sure, <laughs> you know, it's all about stars, but with college basketball it matters who's in the rotation how is the synergy between players and so i mean 
we're not all siloed. We went, you know, Tony's gone on this before. We're not siloed individuals. I'm glad that each we have three players who look really good if they were in a vacuum of space and they were playing by themselves in a gym. But quite frankly, if the three of them can't gel together and we coaching can't find a way to do that, then maybe they don't get honorable. They don't get all team because to get all team, you have to play well. And if you're relying on your teammates to play well, well, then you got to find synergy. Um, with that said, I think that we have the chance for maybe 1.5. I think that's the line if we were betting of how many players we're going to have on um, all A10. I'm going to lean towards two. I think we have two with an honorable mention. I just don't think, like, Funk has had some slumps. Taylor's had some slumps. Obina has actually been the one who has the most consistent scoring, believe it or not. So it's kind of going to be interesting to figure out who gets what selections. Um, and I will say that there is a media vote. So it also matters perception as well. So if we all perceive Jordan to be an NBA prospect, I'm sure he's going to get more votes because of that. So is it fair? No, but who knows? And I, and I, and I agree, right? It, it hurts to see you have three really good players and it's just not gelling on the court. Um, but some, you know, basketball is more than just the talent you have on the, on the floor. Right, we're we're kind of we're not kind of we are learning that lesson now, and we're gonna have to find a way out. Second question: the bench has really funny. This goes for hand in hand with what I just said, though. The bench has really un- underperformed. Are there any potential contribu- contributors we haven't seen yet? Will Klaschek or Jansen ever get more minutes? Jansen's had a few moments when I thought he might be a regular contributor. Totally agree here, Victor. Uh, this kind of goes and answers my first question, which I had mentioned is the bench matters, and that's you know holding back the team from performing. And we can have three great players, but if the bench and the rest of the roster can't fill that out and can't play up to the level of where above 500 teams are, that's going to be a problem. Like look at LaSalle. We were we had two guys who were better than the, the other two, but we've got we had a lot of mismatches out there that even Taylor Funk got exposed in a mismatch. So some teams are going to have more depth than us, and it's going to be a problem. Jansen should get more minutes. Jansen should get more minutes. I don't know why he doesn't get more minutes. I don't know if there's an injury. We know Casper's been injured, but we don't know if Jansen does. He has way more control of his body over Coleman. The only reason why I think they play Coleman, and Pete, you've mentioned that, is maybe he has more upside. But I don't think we're in the situation where we can really be betting on upside because I think Jansen has just as much upside because he's, compared to last year, he's improved and he's, he positions himself better. He Yeah, he fouls a little bit more, but he positions himself better and he turns the ball over a lot less and he he just makes the right decisions, it feels like. Um, is he a world beater? No, but I think he's a better bench player, a rotation player than Coleman is right now and I don't know why we're going to him. Um, if I was in the... If I had my press pass and I was in the, the room to ask the questions, that's one of the first ones I ask, but I'm not there. So it's unfortunate, but I totally agree with you, Victor. You want to do the next one, Pete? Right. Yeah, yeah. So we have Hawk Enthusiast who messaged us on his way to class. There you go, kid. Um, he says a lot here, so I'll just touch upon some of the major points. Basically, he, he says in his, his first part of his dissertation that he really doesn't like Billy, Billy Lang as a coach. He doesn't like Coach Lang. He loves the recruiting sort of coaching staff that Lang brings with him 
he loves this player development, all the, you know, everything up, but Billy Lang with a clipboard in his hands on the sideline, pacing around, trying to coach the game. And he says, you know, why don't we bring in Jameer Nelson? He doesn't have a staff and possibly may only bring a few guys, but, you know, maybe we'll retain the local talent. It's already there. And we'll bring some in as well. And he wants to know what we think. Hawk enthusiast. Can I answer, um, can I answer this question, Pete? Yeah, yeah. I would like you to answer. And then I'll, I'll chime in a little bit about something that came to mind. Go ahead. Okay. I just want to mention the Jameer part. Jameer interviewed for the job. He didn't get it. Why didn't he get it? He really didn't have that much coaching experience. And he kind of thought he was just going to get the job. Right? He walked in thinking he was going to get the job. And Billy... Kind of a kind of in used car salesman style, um, said my Navy record doesn't matter because, and I agree, it's hard to measure Navy, right? Your recruits are gonna be different. They're in the Naval Academy, you know, they're going to war, and so you're not gonna get a, a sniff at an NBA prospect. Um, and it's not like Navy football, right? You're not just you just don't have the same pedigree even there. Jameer had no coaching experience. If I was Jameer Nelson, and I don't think he's on any coaching staffs now, but I'm sure if fans want to correct me, write in, because I'll we'll correct it on the next episode if I'm wrong on, on this assumption. He's um he's working for the Blue Co- the V League team right yeah. now. But is he on the coaching staff? No, he's not. Okay. If I'm Jameer and I see Billy struggling the way he is. And I want to be the head, the head coach. Why are you not say, walking into Rowan University and say, I want to be the head coach? Now, I'm not saying Rowan needs a head coach, a new one. But you're Jameer Nelson. I'm sure there's a Division three school out there that you can take control of. Great, you're working for a G League team. But we need you to show that you can recruit, manage children who are going to school. Or young men who are going to school and... You're coaching them and winning games and showing us the style of play you're going to play with. There's no better place to show it than Division Three or Division Two, where talent doesn't matter as much as scheme does. But he's not doing that. So why do you think Jameer is going to be a great coach selection for us? Because he was a good player? Like, okay, that's a possibility. But don't you think if you had initiative, you'd go out and you would coach a team, try to be the one who's complete ownership of the the program and showing progress and seeing that Billy is struggling and going, I'm going to do really well for the next two years. Say this was like two years ago or a year ago. And I, I want this job. And so I'm going to do what is necessary to build the resume that I need. So when I walk in the door, I'm Jameer Nelson. I'm the guy whose number's hanging in the rafter. Hey, I've also got two years in the bag of just a little bit of experience where the school has reasonable expectations of what my coaching style, how am I going to make sure kids go to class, X, Y, and Z. It's not just all, I was a great player. It's There's a lot more to manage here. And on top of this, my other issue with Jameer Nelson is, sure, I want him to be a coach. What do we do if we bring him in? He's terrible. We fire Billy and we bring him in. He's bad too. and Because he doesn't. he's never been vetted. I just mentioned his work experience isn't as in-depth as I'd like it to be. Um, even if he's Jameer Nelson, there's more than just knowing basketball in college athletics. Where do we go from there? And then we're really screwed. Um, can we bring Jameer in? Sure. Should we? Maybe. But I just want to say that there 
are some reservations that are we can have. There's reservations about Coach Lang. The only reason why I'm not saying fire him tomorrow is just because I don't know who we're going to replace him with because of this very same problem. Um, so, Pete, if you want to add on to that. Yeah, I think you, you bring up a good point. I think the only time that would have made sense maybe to hire, like it definitely doesn't make sense to hire Jameer now. The only time it would have made sense is when Martelli was fired because maybe he could have retained some of that talent. But at this point, the talent isn't, I mean, we have good talent, but I don't think we're worried. I wouldn't be, it just doesn't make sense. Like you said, if he wants to coach, he should be coaching at University of St. Joseph, not St. Joseph's University. He should go down to the D3 level, do a Jim Calhoun, obviously Jim Calhoun, storied career um, at UConn. But what I'm saying is he needs to he needs to get coaching experience. What came to mind, uh, sort of thinking about this coaching debacle, as I saw uh, someone on Twitter today say that, you know, bring back Phil, Phil Martelli, we'll take him. Uh, if anything, his, his sort of stock has increased since – he uh, has joined you uh, has joined Michigan and I just think for me that's just it just it doesn't it's that delusional. bridge has it's been burned backwards. yeah <laughs> that bridge has been burned like, that's never happening the only place I could really see Phil Martelli in the a10 ending up and I don't think this is going to happen they're already in a dysfunctional place and it doesn't make sense to bring someone on if Phil Martelli is obviously he's He's a, he's a, he's not a young man, but it doesn't make sense for LaSalle to bring him on. And I saw LaSalle being mentioned there. I just wanted to bring that up. I don't think our coaching situation is going to change for two to three years, at least, I think. I don't know, man. I think there's a possibility it can change this year if they're feeling the heat. I, I really if, do. If Lang leaves, I think we also see a change in the AD now. And that's my other point. Safe. It's like, I'm not going to go into the whole administration, which I have my own personal qualms with, but I will say this. Um, how do you think they're going to make the right decision if they didn't make the right decision last If you think they didn't make the right decision last time, if Mark Reed and Jill Bodensteiner didn't make the right decision last time, what makes you think that both of them are going to make the right decision again? So they're, then, what, Father Gillespie, does Father Gillespie need to take the university over? Or why aren't we, you know, singing odes to him to come back? Yeah. You know, maybe Don Julia should come out of retirement. Yeah, like, and I'm not saying that, and I'm going back to the Jameer part. I would love nothing more than if Jameer came here and he was a fantastic coach. <laughs> like, that'd be a yeah. great story. I'm just saying there are some questions that I think are, uh, you know, willing to, I'm willing to ask because I have some reservations. That's all. Yeah. not saying it's impossible. I mean, shift Billy Lang down the, the bench and put Jameer a head coach. Maybe that'll work. I'm sure Billy know. would love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So interesting, interesting query of thought there. Uh, looking ahead, we have VCU and George Mason on the road. VCU this Saturday just kept it dangerously close to Davidson. They're number three in defense and will absolutely expose us if we don't stop turning the ball over and we don't stop throwing those stupid mini lobs to Obina that are just way too high. Um, 
or I think it could get ugly if we do those things. Um, so we're going to have to be good, really good, if we want to beat VCU. Um, and then we have Duquesne finally to, to wrap up the next three games. We have Duquesne at home, which is a very winnable game, but still not an easy. No, nothing's easy. This is conference play. Um, so, Tony, how are you feeling about the next three games? What do you think we finish the three uh, next three games at? I'll keep it brief, but I think VCU, yes, they're, they're the favorites. We should expect not to win this game, but as I said, crazier things have happened. Maybe we do beat them. I mean, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't walk away surprised. This team is like bipolar. Its highs could be high, its lows can be lows. A high could be beating VCU, a low could be losing to Fordham or Duquesne um, in a very bad fashion. So I think two, being 2-1 two and one is reasonable. I do think it's reasonable. I think beating Duquesne's a reasonable goal. I think getting a win against Mason or VCU is possible. Um, would I bet money on it? No. Um, am I hoping for it? Am I feeling like that is the more likely outcome? I want to say yes. I want to say that I have confidence. I have enough confidence in this team to say 2-1. and one. Um, If we go, if we lose all three, also wouldn't be shocked. I mean, that's the problem. It's... Nothing surprises me with this team. So I'm I'm expecting everything. <laughs> like literally, that's just I'm just going with the flow at this point. I'm not getting too emotional about anything. Yeah. I think that's going to be the sort of theme of the rest of the season. So we'll we'll end on sort of that uncertain note because I feel like that sort of characterizes best what St. Joe's basketball has dealt us uh, so far this year. There's so much uncertainty, um, but what is always certain is that you can always come back to listen to us at Hawk Talk. Tweet us, we'll tweet you back, DM us, comments, and as always, the Hawk will never die. Oh my God.